slide slideshow. Okay. Hello, everyone. Good morning. All right, this is what we got on the uh, slide deck uh, agenda. Uh, so we are talking about uh, prophecy today, and I'm not sure how I uh, wind up the last two times I've talked. It's been about reconciliation and prophecy, and those are two kind of tough things to wrap my head around, but uh, I'm up for it, and uh, I've titled this Prince of Peace. Um, and we're going to go through some biblical stuff and then pivot near the end to more of a life application type uh, discussion. So, um, Jen, next slide. Okay, so Jen reminded me that this is not Advent today. Uh, I wasn't sure when Advent started, so I got on Google to type in like Advent calendar date and it was hard to actually find the date because I was overwhelmed by Advent calendars. And we've got we got chocolate. I like that one. Uh, jerky. Got some jerky down here. Advent. Paw Patrol. Little the little people. So anyway, um, yeah, it's not Advent, and so uh, we're gonna kick that off on December third. They have our uh, next community meal. Uh, what else can I say? So, right, so we're talking about prophecy today. It's kind of a traditional uh, prophetic chapter that you would think is kind of a kickoff to Advent, but it's not. So I'm taking the, uh, uh, I don't know, freedom to not talk about little baby Jesus. Um, <laughs> next. Okay, uh, so prophets for dummies. I uh, wanted to dive into definitions. So I just got on Wikipedia real quick, and uh, all these definitions are very similar. Um, we're going from like mythology oracles to kind of general um, prophet definitions of Christianity. Uh, the pictures here, uh, these are actually from Delphi, which uh, was the center of the uh, oracle in ancient Greek culture. Uh, the oracle would have been in the temple of Apollo right in here, and supposedly there was like a crevice in the earth where strange gases came up and aided the visions of the oracle. So uh, people would come, walk in the temple, and they would have uh, words spoken over them. Uh, next to there is um, uh, here, which is the center of the earth, right here. Uh, supposedly, uh, in the mythological world, Zeus let two eagles go, and they kind of collided right at Delphi. And so that's not the original rock, but uh, it was kind of cool to be here. Uh, it felt like we were kind of in the Rocky Mountains, but uh, we're at a ancient uh, ancient site. It's pretty cool. But uh, I would say one difference between oracles and prophets: the oracle here just kind of hung out, uh, you know, whiffed at the gases from the middle of the earth and did her thing. Uh, in Christianity, uh, the prophets kind of ran around uh, uh, Israel, Judah, and whatnot, and spoke to kings. Um, kings would come to, to Delphi, but um, the, uh, the Jewish prophetic tradition, I think, is much more um, kind of a 
going around the country, seeing what was going on and speaking. Uh, so in Christianity, a prophet is one inspired by God through the Holy Spirit to deliver a message for a specific purpose. We'll be talking about Isaiah, right? So I think I've just got a kind of a picture here, right? So I put that up here. I typed in uh, what? I don't even know what I typed in, but this is the picture that came up that I liked. <laughs> so <laughs> I think this is called the Bride of Christ, and so they're kind of in the middle here. And anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm going to read it. Uh, this is Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. Bear with me. Um, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea along the Jordan. Uh, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy and rejoice. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever the zeal of the lord god almighty will accomplish this so um this is kind of in the wheelhouse of scripture a lot of people know um you know you'll see posters of like the names of christ and and Almost assuredly, you're going to see Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, this is, you know, in a lot of ways, like Isaiah's proclamation of Christ in whatever, 600 years from, from this time. Uh, but as I read through the commentaries, which there are many around our house, uh, you kind of learn things and see nuances and scripture and historical context, all this stuff. And anyway, uh, there's a lot more going on in Isaiah's day than him kind of sitting around waiting for Jesus. Okay, so um, here we go. Here's an infographic. And uh, we're going all the way from the creation a long time ago to uh, where we're at today. So uh, Isaiah uh, is here, 740 to 71 BC, doing his prophetic work. And the Bible commentaries are saying that this was written somewhere in here. Ahaz, Hezekiah. Um, we had, uh, let's see, the Assyrian Empire was uh, pretty strong, and they like decimating places like Israel. And then the Babylonian Empire was starting to uh, gather, gather energy. And there's, of course, a lot going on in Israel. And Ahaz was not such a great king, so they weren't in a very good place. Um, 
But Hezekiah was about to be born. And if you go to that next one. Oh, shoot. I can't get this screwed up. Anyway, um, we'll get there in a second. Go back. We're fine. Okay. We'll go here. Next one, please. Right. Yep. Yeah, okay. So, coal in your stocking. Uh, there's a lot of accounts in the Old Testament of uh, prophets kind of having their, their moments where they are um, commissioned by God. And this is from Isaiah 6, a little bit before uh, the scripture we just read. And, and this is what it says. Uh, Woe to me, I cried. This is Isaiah. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He's seen this vision, right? Uh, then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. Uh, again, this is, uh, I think, Here I am, send me is probably part of a lot of uh, choruses of Christian hymns and songs. Uh, Isaiah took on a pretty uh, tough job uh, at a time of great transition. And uh, I wanted to you know, just point out that here, you know, he, he's you know, admitting, I don't know how I'm going to take on this task, you know, kind of the, I'm a sinful man, how am I going to do your job? And uh, God is saying, hey, I'm going to take that away, and I'm commissioning you, you can do this, okay? And that doesn't mean Isaiah is sinless from that point on, but God has granted him uh, the prophetic voice to, to move forward and do, do his work. Um, yeah, uh, so Chronicles, um, gosh, I don't know why I put this. I think this is from Second Chronicles 29. Anyway, in uh, kind of the middle of Chronicles, there's an account of Ahaz, which on the infographic was the king transitioning into Hezekiah. And uh, there, there aren't many good words in the Bible about Ahaz. He um, had the Asherah poles going. He had uh, all kinds of, you know, worship of other gods. He wasn't respecting, you know, the... Um, Davidic line of being, you know, the uh, what the blessed kingship of Israel, right? Not not a great king, uh, but uh, Hezekiah was born, and a lot of these commentaries say that uh, that prophetic message uh, that is our scripture for the day in Isaiah nine, our first scripture, was really in a way. Uh, would have been interpreted by people at the time as a prophecy of Hezekiah's birth. Uh, again, they were in a tough spot. Uh, Ahaz was, by all accounts, a really terrible king. And, um, and, and the words of, uh, what? For as in day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bars across the shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. Uh, this, this was hard to even imagine under Ahaz, but 
But Isaiah is saying, hey, something's coming, and this new king will be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Okay? So uh, he, he's really speaking into the line of David. You know, it could be a lot better than Ahaz. And uh, here comes Hezekiah, and this is Hezekiah as king. Okay? And it's pretty incredible, the contrast between these guys. Okay, these kings. So I'll, I'll read this. Uh, it says, although most of the many people who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not purified themselves, uh, yet they ate the Passover, contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the Lord, who is good, pardon everyone who sets his heart on seeking God, the Lord, the God of his fathers, even if he is not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. Um, so as I was reading this scripture, uh, I mean, this is pretty incredible, if you really think about it. Uh, some other stuff going on here is that it's been 200 years since the days of Solomon, okay? And a lot of the kings of Israel just go way away from all the, the rituals, away from uh, the... <laughs> the days to you know observe passover i mean in this case it's about passover and they did not even worship at the appointed time based on the uh, the calendar right so they were off on on the date um they weren't uh purifying themselves i mean it was kind of like they were stumbling into this passover thing like they're they're um wanting to worship well and and they're not doing it quite right uh, so Hezekiah, I mean, here is saying, hey, please, we aren't doing this right. We don't know the rules of the sanctuary, but we, we need, you know, throw us a bone here, God. We need some help. And, and the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people, right? Uh, so I just found this to be pretty amazing. And again, kind of going back to this prophecy and, and thinking about really the in a way, the blessing that Isaiah was speaking upon this next king, uh, I think that in a way that's really translated here, if you think of you know God um, speaking through Isaiah, um, he's, Hezekiah is really praying to God, and I don't know what to say. I mean, it's, I'll probably say this five times, it's amazing. I <laughs> Hezekiah is pretty awesome. I, uh, I, I did a study a few years ago and was reading um, about humility and just looking in the Bible, concordance, like here's humility, yada, 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 yada. And uh, it came up with Hezekiah being one of the more, more humble kings of, of Israel. And, and he was a man of prayer. He uh, was granted, I think, 18 more years of life when he was really sick near the end of his life. Um, so anyway... Um, the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. Let's go on. Okay, um, so part of the point I'm trying to get at here is you've got the prophecy in Isaiah 9, and you know, you've got this modern-day interpretation of that prophecy as pointing to Jesus, okay? And I'm not denying that or arguing that it's not, but I, I am saying that uh, 
the prophet's work had sort of the uh, contextual uh, moment in its own history, which I just spoke about, but it also had this uh, long-term pointing towards Christ. Yeah. And uh, a way I thought about it is that with uh, King David, yeah, um, a blessing was spoken over that whole line. You know, so prophets kind of came into the picture and be like, hey, this is what God has ordained for the kingship of David. And prophets reminded uh, the Jewish nation. And so in a way, Hezekiah was a fulfillment of that prophecy. But then uh, going down the line, Christ was the, uh, you know, the ultimate fulfillment. And, and, and anyway, here is... Uh, scripture from Matthew uh, in, in the last moments of Christ's life, right? So again, we're not talking about little baby Jesus. We're talking about Jesus at the end on the cross, okay? And uh, this is what is written in Matthew. Uh, in the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but, the, but he can't save himself. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Aramaic language, that means, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Okay. So, um, this is, I'm kind of putting this in the context of the Prince of Peace is speaking at the cross, right? On the cross. And, you know, it's kind of that contrast of the Jewish people, you know, looking at David, maybe even looking at Hezekiah. You know, Hezekiah had really turned around the nation during his own time, uh, putting them back on a piece of, uh, you know, national prominence. And uh, they were expecting, you know, even more uh, from the Messiah. And it didn't seem like the Prince of Peace had really come to the scene uh, with Christ because there wasn't much peace in the political realm, you know, in the uh, military realm. Um, and certainly as Christ uh, went to the cross, there probably weren't a whole lot of people that are thinking, oh, there's the Prince of Peace. Thank you for your service to our nation. Uh, we're going to execute you because you, you aren't the one. Things aren't very peaceful. Okay, so... What I'm, what I'm thinking here is that, uh, how, how shall I say this? On, on the cross, the Prince of Peace was at peace. Yeah. Um, he was not uh, calling upon um, people who followed him right, to pick up their swords and... Uh, overthrow the uh, priesthood and the Romans and uh, all of that. He, um, he was going to the cross as an embodiment of how you die peacefully in the most torturous, um, humiliating, 
awful circumstances. I mean, I, I don't know how anyone could really be at the cross and, and, um, and, and be at peace. Um, so, uh, next slide. Okay. So Christ's last words, according to Matthew and the book of Mark, uh, were, why have you forsaken me? Okay. Uh, that, that opens up a lot of theology that I'm not even going to try to get near. But uh, the one thing I, I do want to say about those words is that uh, Christ ended his uh, physical life uh, asking a question, right? Asking why. Uh, I think some would probably argue that why have you forsaken me is probably not coming from a spiritual place of peace. Um, I'm going to say it was, and I'm not going to, to argue the point, but what I, what I am going to say is he asked why. Okay? So... I mean, that for me gives me a lot of, that gives me a lot of peace in a way. I mean, because, uh, you know, it can be very difficult to ask why in terms of faith uh, because it sounds like doubt. And um, some folks think you, you know, asking why is a, a path, uh, you know, slippery slope to maybe losing your faith. Uh, but with Christ asking that question, with, with the last words you know, spoken on the cross, I think that, that gives me, a, again, a lot of peace that it's okay to ask those questions. Okay? Uh, Jen, do you want to say anything about that? Okay. Again, I, there is so much theology on this point. Um, uh, I'm just saying he asked the question why, and I love that. I'm, I'm thankful for that captured in Scripture. Um, next. Okay, so this is where we're transitioning away from, uh, I guess, the Isaiah prophecy history bit to more uh, along the lines of practical application. Uh, if you look at uh, prophecy, uh, there's a lot of arguments that prophecy ended with Christ. Um, I think some in the Jewish tradition think it ended before Christ. Maybe like with Malachi, I think. Uh, but, but my point is, some argue that prophecy has kind of ended. It's been fulfilled, there's Christ. You know, look there, what else do you need to know? Um, but I think there's some biblical um, uh, support that prophecy still happens. And uh, I put Biblical Classics Volume 1 here uh, because, man, like on the greatest hits of Scripture, Corinthians 13, I mean, all the time. Like, we're getting married, we're talking Corinthians. So... Um, this is just one line from there. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Okay? 
Um, there's prophecy there. And we're talking about love being, you know, kind of, I mean, for me, it's like that unconditional, there better be love or there's not much going on spiritually. Uh, next, notice we got Corinthians 14, 13, and now we're in Corinthians 14. We haven't moved very far in, in the Bible to get to this point. And this is from Rather Not Go There, Volume 1. Okay, so we're going from, we're, we're talking love at weddings to we're talking gift of prophecy and tongues. Like, let's not ever talk about that because that's just too weird. Um, but it's very good to read. Um, and th- here's a line from 14. It says, But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Okay? So, I, I mean, I, I think the logic of the sentence really leads me to believe that prophecy still exists. And... Um, I don't know if this is probably Paul. Um, he's speaking to, you know, the purpose of prophecy. And that's great. Uh, and in that chapter, he goes on about prophecy and tongues. And I don't really want to get into all of it, but he really talks about prophecy as being much more edifying to the church than tongues. Um, but anywho... Um, Start your prophesying. Um, there you go. I, I think uh, in Christ, uh, Christ was a prophet. Um, this Holy Spirit spoke through him, and I think as a spiritual gift, we can all, in a way, also have a prophetic spirit and a prophetic tongue. Uh, next. So, um, I write haikus, and... Uh, this is a five-syllable line from my haikus. Words create worlds. Um, we all have responsibility over our tongue. You know, no one can really put words in our mouth. Uh, and when you speak, you better believe that means something. And you're painting a pretty important picture for those you're communicating with. Okay? So, I just pulled this graphic up uh, as an example of of uh, you know words and, and like speaking life over people you know you kind of hear that and so I'm just encouraging you to really think about the words you use uh, every day in every relationship um, you know that the prophet is speaking um, through the Holy Spirit words upon a nation yep Okay. I was counting too. I take liberty. It's a haiku. Okay. Yeah, that's right. It's like we're old. We're old. We're old. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You know, personally. And you know, the last few years, it's been on my heart so much to help people see Jesus 
because they don't want to hear his name a lot often in my world. People around me, they don't believe. And even some that do believe, it's hard for them to hear his name at times, let alone say it. Mm -hmm. And to help people relate to him as a human being, opposed to being God. Right. And when we look at it that way and what he endured on that cross, the process he went through with his father, which I am big on, his whole purpose was to lead us to God, right? Right. Um, when I let go of the mystery a little bit, even though I'm very much into that spiritually, um, and I, I look at him as the man that he's gone through, and then I look at the other prophets in the book and the stories, and then the culmination. You know, I think what you said in particularly about his last words and being very realistic in that being interpersonal for you mm -hmm. because you're enduring the same thing he did in this world. It opens up a whole new train of thought and perspective to look at a lot of these stories. Right. And I'm, I'm happy to say before we moved to Columbus, that was a huge part of my own personal process. But that struggle to, to speak to people, encouraging to not, you know, the gift of prophecy, so to speak, um, is so challenging. But yet we see this man who I believe was God and that the Holy Spirit totally used in every gift mm -hmm. we can attain right. ourselves or we have because we're human, however you look at it. Um, it brings me great joy. It brings me peace about the wise. We drive ourselves crazy with God, those of us that speak to him and try to figure out life to go forward. And when I when I look at a man who I admire so much, or woman in my life presently, mm -hmm. you know, as who I am, um, the whole process of what Jesus went through till he died, those of us that look at death with family and friends and we've grown through that, Everybody seems to go through that process. And the last question we have to get past to have peace to leave this earth is why. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what the other side of the why is, why this, why that, but you get to a level of peace to let go enough. You've done your job, so to speak, you know, and there it is. And you've done the work of God in your life. Mm -hmm. And that's Jesus being shown to everybody when you take away some of the hardness to see the truth about him being a man. A man. Yeah. You know, um, Thank you, Jeff. There's a lot of people that are like Jesus to me nowadays in this world because they believe. So. Got one more slide. I'm a big fan of Salvador Dali. This is actually a Salvador Dali painting about uh, Isaiah and, and the coal upon his lips. Um, so, self-fulfilling prophecy is, I think, a very, very big dynamic uh, in all of our lives. And it has a lot to do with the things we tell ourselves, the things that we... Um, um, we just throw out there as like, I am this, or this is going to happen. I mean, it's it happens all the time, and then you can select behaviors and relationships and 
know, anything to kind of fulfill what you've projected, good or bad. Um, and it all comes from words. And so actually, Shirley, I was looking through Proverbs because I knew there was something good in there. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I found it, yeah, and, and it said, Shirley Freeze. And, and so Shirley actually <laughs> preached on this uh, right two years ago. So uh, it says, from the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled. With the harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay? So, I guess part of the point I'm getting at today is that words matter. Uh, Prophets are given words through the Holy Spirit, and they've changed history. Um, And we all live in a, a world of words. And they have great power. And uh, whether or not uh, you call it prophecy or self-fulfilling prophecy, it doesn't really matter to me. It's just um, being responsible, right? There's a lot of responsibility in, in the Word, in the way you use the Word of God, and the way you use words in your own life, and what you write, and social media. Um, it's all an act of, words are an act of creation. Okay? And, and I... The last thing I, I had on words, you know, we, we can back off the whole idea of us being prophets in language, uh, but I, I think the language of blessings and curses may, may be a little bit more um, of a kind of practical way to think of the way we use language. Uh, a blessing and a curse kind of has a projection uh, baked into it. And uh, we do it all the time. So I would like for you all, you know, this week to think of the way you use language as a way of blessing people or a way of cursing people. Um, is it time? Yeah. Anyway, uh, time has uh, ended. <laughs> Right, uh, yeah, so uh, it's Thanksgiving, and may, may our mouths be uh, full of the harvest of uh, love. That's right. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah.